Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. I mean, here's a guy that criticizes everybody, whoever they take. He's got the answers to uh, who you should take and who you shouldn't take. And all of a sudden, he's an expert. He's in our paper two days ago telling us who we have to take. Welcome back to the first team. I am Joe DeLeon and joining me today, a very special interview conversation with a man that I call my boss, uh, the current president and executive producer for 10 years at NFL Network, current president of the Believe Network, Eric Weinberger. Eric, today we're talking about something that I as a draft nerd and as a lot of the listeners on the show are excited to hear a little more info on, which is the NFL Combine. We're going to yep. be on location Ryan and I are going to be there, but you are, not a lot of people know this, have a hand in the original broadcast that happened for the NFL Combine. I mean, the first obvious question here is what inspired that decision to want to broadcast it? Because if you just look at it in totality, it's not exactly the most interesting event that most people would want to tune into. Yeah, no, I, I you you introduce yourself as a nerd about it. I, I think if you're a nerd, then there's then there's thousands and thousands of them. I, I don't, I, I it, it's my favorite event. Uh, that followed by the draft were my favorite events to do. Uh, we in 03, when we launched the network, there were, uh, there were for years, a few people within the league trying to figure out a way to televise the combine and it, and it took time. So I remember in 04, we sent a really small group, like maybe two or three producers, maybe one camera to Indy just to sort of check it out. And it was really in 05 when we did it for the first time, it was, um, it was viewed as pretty intrusive, right? Pretty intrusive to have cameras show, uh, a lot of even the behind the scenes of the combine. But um, we knew we knew that we had a borderline Olympic style event uh, that uh, that we 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 knew in that to kick off draft season for real. We knew that we had something really special. What we didn't know is the impact it would have to the cameras would have to uh, to raise the attendance of the players going to the combine. So while hundreds went in the beginning, I think we doubled it after a couple of years because it was on national TV. And if you weren't there, you didn't get the exposure, especially for some of the mid to bottom kids, um, really got uh, uh, the exposure that they wouldn't have gotten you know, during the regular season. Bet online remains your top spot for all of your live betting action and contests. NFL, college football, UFC, NHL are all in full swing. Bet online is your number one source for wagering news, odds, trends, and predictions with both desktop and mobile access at any time. Head to Bet Online today and use promo code Believe. That's B L E A V for fifty percent off your first deposit that is a 50% welcome bonus bet online where the game starts you're talking about that 03 that time when you kind of went to go check it out it is clearly completely changed since then and you also mentioned how there was this intrusiveness to it what was that original setting like 
in 03 and maybe before you started broadcasting and even that first year that you covered the event fully, what was that setting like? Because I feel like it had to have been so different from the way that it's put on right now. Oh yeah, not nothing was. First of all, it was in the it was in the dome, so it was in the in the RCA dome, which was pretty awesome. Indy, by the way, is the perfect city for this, and it it hasn't moved because Indy's so small, so central. You can stay indoors. The entire city has walkways indoors, so it's very easy to move the players around. It's very easy to get to the interview hotel to get back to the stadium. Um, so, so that's what makes one thing easy. The, the, the key things that they were just set up anywhere. The 40 was run in the middle of the football field. Uh, weights were done, you know, behind the scenes. We had to, we had to really knock down a lot of walls physically to, and, and, and position, position the 40. So it looked good on television. It ended up working out which it usually does when you bring cameras in and you bring directors in, it makes it a better experience in person for the coaches. And then it, it, it more importantly for the bigger audience that's watching on TV, it makes a better experience on TV. Yeah. I don't think a lot of people realize that football guys, not as organized as you probably were able to make it. And that's, that's interesting to know. I mean, it was run, it was run by the combine. So the combine was just doing what they could. And, and the, the first thing we had to fix for TV was the 40. The 40, we knew that's the marquee event for TV. Right. Um, whether it makes sense or not for players to run a 40, uh, and that's one thing we learned. We can get to that, what we learned about the old linemen. Um, but that needed to be fixed. That needed to be the centerpiece. Uh, that sprint needed to be the centerpiece, and that's taken on a life of its own, uh, obviously. You mentioned that Indianapolis being the perfect location for this, and there's been this recent aspiration to move it. Do you think that there is value in maybe doing it in another location? It doesn't, uh, like, I mean, I've traveled a couple of years for a couple of Super Bowls now, and it, you can tell which cities are built for an event and which aren't. Do you think that it makes sense to maybe go to some other locations? I, I, I think out of weather convenience, like temperature convenience for the coaches, it, it, it could move to a, a, a Florida or California. I, I really think it hasn't moved because there, there's such a short amount of time that the executives and the coaches need to see all these kids. Indy's so easy. I, I think Vegas behind the scenes proved that it's really easy and you never have to go outdoors in order to do all these events. Mm. So if there's cities like that, it makes a lot of sense. If everything's too spread out over freeways and you have to get into cars, this event won't work. They'll just run out of time to, to and it'll be much, much more expensive to put on. So talking a little bit about the drills themselves, I think, as I mentioned at the beginning, if you just kind of explain this to somebody in layman's terms, what these events are, it doesn't sound very interesting. But the thing that, as you first started broadcasting this to the point now, it has turned into a very intriguing event to follow and f to be able to understand what these individual individual drills are. How were you able to, just like from your approach when you were coming into this, what was the goal in making 
a straight line sprint or a bench press or watching these big offensive linemen shuffle back and forth, how were you able to make that into something that was interesting that maybe not just the nerds, but the average fan could be like, this is pretty cool to see the, this behind the scenes aspect of the NFL. Okay. So, so truth be told, I was, and still, I was the average fan. Okay. I, I was the average fan. So I was, I was able, I was not a football player. Um, I was able to, when we started the network, put a put a team together, a group together behind the scenes on camera that um, obviously knew their X's and O's, Mike Mayock, Brian Balding, or all the players, then bring in entertaining hosts, bring in good journalists and reporters. So, but, but more importantly, my eyes were from the average fan. So I could look at it and say, okay, I understand Bill Belichick under, you know, knows why to watch a, a, a weave you know, for receivers um, or watch the quarterback drop back, but I needed to make it right. Like you said, I need to make all NFL network coverage for a bigger audience. And now you see, I mean, just the Super Bowl alone, right? It's, it's definitely not for just nerds who know a cover two. Uh, it's for everybody. Mm. I think the, the, the number one thing that I asked and I still ask with football more than any other sport is every position is so specialized. So you need to explain, um, to me each position. So like no other sport, right? You don't play offense and defense. I mean, uh, a, a center in hockey or a guard in basketball knows, and it's only 10 players, right? They know every position pretty much on the floor. But an O-lineman in football doesn't know what a running back has to go through or what a DB needs to go through. So we needed to explain each drill or each sprint or each rep why it mattered to those positions and what are the coaches really looking for. So, so that was that was our our first question we asked mm-hmm. when we were setting up production. How do we explain it to everybody so they understand what's the worth of this? Like just a guy running a forty. By the way, it took us a few years to realize we need to we needed to time the old lineman basically at the at the ten yard, not at the forty. It didn't matter them getting to the forty because they're never going to run forty yards. But it was really more how do they get out of their stance, right? And how quickly right. can they even get to five yards? And and we started timing in increments as the years went on. And and it, there was a lot of learning with that, right? We took a lot of questions on on how to how to how to look at that from, like you said, a layman's eye. Very little. Does that more make of sense a, to you? You're, yeah, no, you're, it, it does. You, you played college football, so you yeah. know, you know automatically what everyone's looking for, but you know, did, could you notice as you're watching the combine certain changes we made while we were doing that? Yeah. I mean, I, I progressively definitely, I mean, first of all, I didn't even like lead in with this, but watching the combine is what really got me into being a host and wanting to cover the NFL draft and doing all the things that I do now. So like, it's, it's cool to hear this perspective and to talk about it, but I definitely did notice that progression over time in how the event was slowly changing. And I think the biggest thing that you talked about there is this ability for the various analysts just to sit and explain things. Like I understood it, but to have that just average fans perspective, 
to understand that they're looking for an explanation and to understand it, I think is what makes it super different. You brought up though, and you were talking about um, with the 40 yard dash and how that kind of came to be and, and all that a little bit of a, a goofier question, but I don't think a lot of fans understand where those times come from and how accurate they are. And okay, there's so, always going to be an yeah, update. Yeah. Like, where are you and how complicated was it that just that part of timing? Okay. So that's, those numbers that was, that's probably still the most controversial part of the combine. Um, right. The official time, and I think it still is, the official time is from the combine. So for years, we had dueling times. There'd be an official timer with a, literally a stopwatch. And when you watch the combine now, you see every coach is lined up in the bleachers right at that end point. But we also had our clock, our TV mm -hmm. clock going. It wasn't until probably about 12 or 13, 2012, 2013, where we synced those clocks. Um, it was really challenging. It, it, you know, it took us five years to probably really gain the trust of everybody to be doing this. I mean, you see players and reporters and desks all over the field at this point. Yeah. We started out, it was, you know, it was folks just up around the, the stadium. Um, the, the timing of the 40 was the toughest part because we would, the, the, especially for the burners, we were usually like, there was like a 10th, two tenths, three tenths of a second off. So it was, you know, now you're comparing guys to Dion and Chris Johnson, you know, CJ, like who was the fastest and every, you know, the clocks were sort of differing. So that, that was a challenge until we were able to bring them together. You also mentioned how now there's all this extra coverage, all there's all this extra exposure that's going on, and that's certainly grown even further. There's now even tons of just separate media days and media availabilities that happen with these players. I think one thing that some normal fans don't really truly understand or realize is that a lot of rumors come out of the combine. A lot of conversations happen at the combine, at, at dinners, at the bars, afterwards, just from like your perspective, what is that rumor mill like in person when you're kind of observing those things happen behind closed doors or behind the scenes, especially when you've got guys like Adam Schefter and Ian Rappaport who uh, had worked for you and were some of those guys that covered yeah, it? Yeah. Adam and Ian and Mort Glazer, we weren't worried about, you know, we, we realized probably five years in, four years in, whatever, right around then we sort of realized we created a bit of a monster. So, and, and we're, listen, we were really, we are really, really proud of the combine coverage. There's just no other way about it. But it, it started becoming a place where uh, every reporter, now yourself, mm -hmm. um, descended on Indy for five, six, seven days. And uh, there is, a, you'll see it. You'll see it coming this week. There's a lot of bar chatter at Shula's bar, at the JW Marriott bar. There's a lot of barroom chatter that um, I think it turns into just false narratives. Um, I think it can get into the wrong hands, into the wrong ears. Uh, I, I, we do realize that as the years went on, it was so busy that, um, you know, 
no no one was safe from rumors because you could just be having a conversation. And by the way, you could be sitting next to John Elway running the Broncos and uh, you know the GM of uh, uh, of the Giants just having a conversation. And right next to you could be a reporter from either a local newspaper mm. or a national news service, and they could think they heard something, or maybe they did hear something, and it got out there really quickly. That wasn't the case, you know, in the in in the nineties and in the and in the two thousands before we started doing this. So we try to we try to uh protect everyone that we can because it's a it's an important place for football people to do business. It's the only time all thirty-two organizations are in one place. The senior bowl doesn't even have it like this. The senior bowl is another pretty amazing event in a small town, but that's more scouting. Mm. That doesn't involve, I don't think, really the Super Bowl teams as much. This involves all 32. So all 32 head coaches are usually there. So so yeah, we created a monster. It's a you'll see, you'll see, Joe, how many you're <laughs> going to be amazed how many, how many outlets are there at this point. On a more of a, a brighter note, one of the things that like I always really loved a part of the broadcast is there was this I mean, you're gonna love seeing it. You're gonna freak. Oh yeah, I'm. I'm excited to really. And and previously, you couldn't really even as a reporter. Is from my understanding, I feel like you couldn't even get access to to really watching the drills. And it's more of like a recent thing, right? Is that even? I don't even I know. You're, you're gonna have to tell me at this point. Uh, right. Fifteen was the last combine I was at. Um, you're gonna have to tell me what access you have into that. We, we didn't allow well, fans can get in the stands fan, now. Fans like can get in. Thing. That fans can get in. We didn't allow anyone in now right. the, the 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 funny conversations we would have with the executives who who were who were pro- protecting the integrity of the combine mm-hmm. the guys on the competition committee um they would say we're not allowed we can't have anyone in that doesn't have access and we would say but it's on tv like what right every event is on tv um we took heights and measurements off TV. We took certain things that just weren't, it just was sort of boring. I mean, at the end of the day, uh, I, I remember when we were pitching the combine to put on TV in 03, to start in 04, 05. And I think one of the Maras said, if you want to watch paint dry, be my guest. Like, and if that's really what football fans want, be my guest. And then that, you know, that was all we needed. Talk about a cold take. <laughs> right, right. I mean, it, it is hard to imagine. Uh, I, I also think a watershed moment was I remember Brian Billick when he did start working for the network. Uh-huh. I remember him mentioning going to the Combine. I, I remember one year, he when he was with the Ravens, he was leaving the Combine like two days in. And someone asked like, Coach, where are you going? He's like, you guys do such a good job on TV. I, I don't need to be here. It'll actually be really? better for me to just watch it on TV so I can see all of it as you cut around the field. Uh, I, don't th- I, I, I don't think that's the case. I still think every head coach goes for the entire time. Um, but that was, you know, we, we, we became like a pool feed for the teams um, to, to see this stuff. That's, that's what the network did anyway. The network became a pool feed for press conferences and for everyone to get all their stuff in one place. So that's what the combine is for everybody. And now there's probably three feeds of the combine. I'm sure yeah. there's a digital streaming that is different than the linear. 
then in there's probably some kind of social feed that goes out as well. And ESPN does is. it now too. Yeah. I think that hours. NFL NFL plus does yep. some sort of a, an alternate coverage, but from all the years that you were there, you were able to witness, uh, you know, a lot of crazy performances, like uh, the one that you brought up, Chris Johnson, like, is there one, a performance that was memorable or just an interaction that maybe wasn't broadcasted on TV that was memorable or crazy that, uh, that comes to mind? Um, we were always really careful with any, um, I, I don't want to say severe injuries. We were mm. always really challenged with if someone, I, I don't remember it often, but I do remember one player, I believe there was a, a UCLA linebacker years ago that maybe blew his knee out during a drill. And uh, we were very, very careful to um, to 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 not exploit it. Um, Calvin Johnson being there, uh, uh, Johnny Manziel being there, the, these were all like uh, – the, these were all just – phenomenal whether they right. threw or not whether they ran or not these were all just like you know phenomenal moments i mean johnny manziel's year just he didn't even have to throw a football he got drafted late like it was those were the biggest viewing years for draft season that we that we had ever had and i think it's still on record as the biggest but those bigger players you know when the better quarterbacks threw that made for better tv um, that made for better viewership. That's what we always hope for. You know, we also probably around 12 or 13, we had always been asking, uh, I think combine in the beginning when we started was Saturday morning until maybe Wednesday morning. We shifted that. I think now it's Friday to Monday, not uh, only Thursday to Sunday is and, I think what it and is. And Thursday yeah. is probably kickers. Sorry, no offense, Joe, but like <laughs> probably get a few things out of the way. Uh-huh. And then what we did was we wanted to move. They want all the events done, I believe, at like four Eastern. Okay. Because they need to get on to the interviews and all the one-on-one meetings in the evening. Right. And they only get the athletes in there for like two days, maybe even a day and a half. We always wanted to move the marquee events, the 40s for the DBs, for the running backs, for the wide receivers, the throwing drills for the quarterbacks. We always wanted to move them into primetime. So we we wanted it. It all started at eight in the morning. We wanted everything moved back. If we could have it our way, we'd have everything end at 11 o'clock at night on the field. So it was live in primetime. I don't know where they got it to, but those were always big shifts that we went through. Um, and those were always big discussions that we had with the competition committee and the combine because there's only so much they can do in the day and a half, 36 hours, 40 hours mm. that they have with these with, with the players. There's been a lot of former NFL players who were current at the time, future stars like Taylor Lewan's one that comes to mind that were a part of the broadcast teams. Where did that decision-making come into play on, we want to get these guys involved or, you know, like, is that like the agents trying to push them? Was that the, you know, forward thinking by the network? No, that was, that was me. We, we talked about sort of how does the average fan break this stuff down? I wanted to get uh, a, a big breakthrough was getting the players on the field. So Marshall Falk, when the running backs were working out and running. Willie McGinnis when the linebackers were going, 
so on. And you, you know what I mean? Sean O'Hara for the O-linemen. Uh, uh, Dion and Rod Woodson mm. for the for the safeties and DBs. That was another really important step. It took years to get them on the field, but not only did I want that interaction of young ki- the young players talking to Hall of Fame pl- players, it was really for Eisen and Mayock to really get the perspective from Marshall Falk. Why are we watching running backs do this? I think that was a a, a real turning point. To, to to getting again that position by position perspective as to what the you know Michael Irvin in the in the wide receiver drills really really giving perspective and legitimacy to why these drills were happening. Last question I got for you, Eric. This is going to be my first NFL Combine, first time in Indianapolis. If there is a spot that I need to go to, I've heard St. Elmo's. I've heard you got to go to St. You got to go to St. Elmo's. Yeah, you need to go to St. Elmo's. You need to go to St. Elmo's. You need to have the shrimp cocktail. Is it going to be hard to get a reservation? Like I I need to be a little prepped here. (laughs) Just go get it. Just just call right now. Just oh, you think it? Oh, you think it's that bad? I need to go a week out and get it. You might as you might as well, right? And yeah, there's plenty of tables that are being booked right now, but definitely book it right now. Um. But yeah, keep you you know you, you this is going to be a it's a major opportunity for you to see really what goes on mm-hmm. to kick off the draft season, right? This is very different than the individual player workouts. This is everyone on the same field, same, you know, same grass, same building. Uh it, it's 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 an amazing experience that it's turned into. I mean, it's a full-on NFL experience. It's it's, it's pretty amazing. Well, I'm uh, very juiced up to be going there and covering the event and getting to check everything out. It's great to get to sit here and talk with you, Eric, about yeah, how this thing is growing. Sure. And I hope our you know, our listeners enjoyed this conversation, folks. Thank you so much. Make yep. sure you hit that subscribe button wherever you're tuning in, and we're going to be back with more. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.